0: Thanks for tuning in to the John Papaloni Show. Today, we have Emily Aborn on the show. Emily, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, John.
0: Absolute pleasure. This is going to be an exciting show, but I say that every show, but this one truly is going to be... Very exciting because I've been waiting for your story. So I'm curious and I kind of want to know more. So as you know, I reached out to you to be on the show. So this is going to be, obviously, I saw something that got my curiosity. But for the listeners, I was going to say for the listeners or viewers who don't know anything about you, Let's start off with a uh, description of who you are, what you do, and how you got there.
1: You you said you were waiting for my story, and so I was going to ask you which story. So, who I am, what I do, and how I got here. Um, So my name is Emily Aborn, as you mentioned, and I'm a writer and also a podcaster like yourself. I have two podcasts, the Content with Character podcast and the She Built This podcast. And how I got here (laughs) is a long rambly road, which probably lots of us have, but I've learned to make my story short and sweet. Um, So my husband and I actually... Owned a retail shop back in 2014. Um, I I've wanted to be an entrepreneur like my entire life. Like literally, I was the six-year-old kid that was inventing businesses and uh, charging people to come watch like the family circus, which was just us jumping on our trampoline or like creating hula hoop routines in our backyard. Um, but my official beginning to my entrepreneurial journey was in 2014 with a retail shop, and my we sold. Yes. No, you are a hundred percent correct. So we actually sold a very interesting product. We live in New Hampshire, so it's like very like um health-minded and like a lot of people call us crunchy, like granola, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we sold a non-toxic like bedding and organic mattress. And we um had that shop for five years And one day I woke up, ironically, from the sleep shop and I was just like, I do not want to do this. Like the 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 kinds of people I'm dealing with, the kinds of things I'm doing, selling, being in the store all day. It was not it's not a fast paced environment. You know, you're like selling mattresses. And so. I had to figure out what to do with myself next and one of the things i did was which i think you can appreciate is i went and got my real estate license and i was like well this is great i can kind of have my own business but i'm also working for somebody else and i really quickly learned after like maybe two or three showings i had I wanted nothing to do with that. Like, nobody can tell me when to show up at a house and what to do. So my condolences again. Exactly. (laughs) So I started kind of like trying to just see what what the market wanted, I guess, is the best way to say it. And I just started kind of like helping out other small businesses with things like email newsletters and blogs and websites and whatever marketing stuff they needed done, I would do. And that's really like how I mean, I'm not going to get into all the ins and outs of it, but that's really like what got me to doing what I did do now is just like slowly figuring out what I liked and didn't like within that same vein. And I I got to the point I was very fortunate. You know, I I know that a lot of people aren't in this position where they have something that is safe and secure and then they move into entrepreneurship. Um But for me, that was the case. Like I had my business and I was able to use that as kind of like my stepping stone into my next business. Um, So that's it in a nutshell.
0: Awesome. Yeah. When you said retail right away, I was like, wow, that's gruesome. It is like it can be rewarding, but at the same time, it's no picnic. There's nothing easy about it. And it comes with a lot of uh, mental toughness because uh, there's a lot of things weighing on people's shoulders in that business. Margins are slim. There's always high demands. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's painful. It can be rewarding. I'm not saying it isn't. For those in retail watching, it can be rewarding. I'm not saying that. But it is definitely, definitely a lot of work.
1: Yeah. And I think for me, it was about also in our particular instance, we were sort of stuck in one place. Yep. And so I didn't really get to like, you know, I like to be free. I like freedom.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the point of being in the business is to experience that freedom but uh yeah and then the real estate license that one's now piqued my interest here because uh i'll ask you this and then i'll tell you where i'm coming from what part of the uh, agency part uh, bothered you the most like why why didn't you like it
1: oh i just realized um that i was going to have to kind of be on on all the time
0: yeah i get that um and that's the ironic part here right because i've uh I'm going through, in a, in a way, I'm going through a bit of a transition myself. I'm going through my own self discovery, self awareness. Now, eight years ago when I got my license, I absolutely loved it. Thought, wow, I, I, you know, there's nothing better you can, you know, I can do. I got to the point that I wake up, oh, fuck, right? So now I'm thinking, okay, what part am I not happy with? Hmm. And um, the exact same thing you said, I don't like being on all the time. I have two phone numbers for that reason. I got phone number one, which is the one that's published on the internet. And I got phone number two, which is what I call the bat line. Only my close friends and family get the bat line. I don't give it out to anybody else. And because... I have to turn it off in order to have some mental breathing room.
1: Yeah. And I think when you're first getting started as a real estate agent, I don't know if you get that luxury, you know, because you do need anything that comes your way because it's really hard to gain traction at first. So I think that's what sort of turned me off to it right from the get go. And I'm really proud of you and condone, condone you for having those two phones and such good boundaries because that I think more of us need to implement into our lives
0: absolutely now here's another thing is that i also i contemplated actually dropping my license i contemplated leaving um i found a better resolution because there's parts of the business i do like i actually partnered up with somebody and uh, this is recent in the last month we decided to join forces join teams and it's great because what i don't like he likes and what he doesn't care to do i like doing so we're kind of complimenting each other So it's a way to, you know, yeah. And that, and that's because I realized that day you wake up, like I said, and you go "Ah, fuck is the day, you know, you have to do something about it. I mean, we live once our life isn't meant to, you know, be miserable throughout it. So, and I appreciate my clients and I love dealing with my clients, but I, I need boundaries. Like you said, there's a certain point in time that it just weighs on you. And I, again, you know, I love the real estate industry. Let's be clear. I just don't necessarily like the parts of the business I was focusing on. So. Awesome. With that being said, you got into something different. You got into writing. Why do you like writing? I mean, like growing up is one of those things that I found people either like doing it. Some people can handle it. Some people is like, oh God, this is torture. Um, I was somewhere in between this is torture and I can just do it.
1: I don't really know how you describe how you love something, but I think that every fiber of my being was born to write. And also, I just love reading. Like, I have been that kid, I could read at a very, very young age. And I always say reading and books, like, saved me. <laughs> um, they just made me curious and they made me know about things that I wanted to learn. But, like, I read the encyclopedias, like, A to Z. <laughs> yeah. I was that child. Um, and not saying I'm super smart because I'm definitely not not like hardly any of that stuck, but it's just always been my like passion, I guess, is reading and writing. Um, so I don't have a good answer for why I love it, but what I'll tell you what I love about the way that I do it for for people now. Like Absolutely. when it comes to copywriting for somebody for their website or taking their words and turning it into a blog. I love helping people like, you know, we all have this desire to like serve more people and help more people and impact more people. And sometimes it's just a matter of like, if only someone knew what I did, like if only I could explain the change I want to make in somebody's life clearly and concisely, then I could make a difference, you know? And a lot of us struggle with writing and can't get those words, those ideas, like the passion we feel onto the page. And so I love being able to take like what I see in other entrepreneurs, like their essence and their the impact they wanna make and put it into like really clear, concise words. So when that ideal person goes onto their website, they see themselves and they say, oh, I, I, that is me and I need to work with them. So that's, I think what I love doing now as it pertains to writing. And I, you know, I have my own little writing projects and stuff on the side, but.
0: Right. And that's where I'm going, going with, right. I, I love to read as well, which ironically, because, you know, you figure if you like to read, you might like the right part. Um, but I don't like the writing part. And I think might be because of talent. And what I mean by that is that I write the way I speak. And I don't know if I've always done that or if that's just more in the later half of my years, but, um, when I'm writing it, you know, I I think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, then I'll uh, leave it for a day, go back to it and go, I could barely understand it, right? So, (laughs) and I'm like, I don't think I speak like that. Then I'll play it back. And when I'm playing it back when I'm speaking, okay. All right. I could have chose some better words, but it makes sense. And then I go in paper but it doesn't make sense on paper. So I'm like, oh, I don't know commas. I don't know apostrophes and whatever. And it sounds like I'm blabbing on, sort of like I'm doing right now. And um, yeah, so it's just one of those things that, again, I can do it if I have to, but for me, it's like a chore because I don't know, maybe I'm just a go, 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 go type of person. I don't like to stop for anything. So it might just be you know my fast-paced nature and, um, or my lack of patience, should I say.
1: Well, one thing that I like that you do is it's great to write like you speak. Um, I think you just need, you know, if that is your problem, is it that it doesn't make sense once you read it back, then you probably just need an editor with some little punctuation or like a little cleanup, you know. But I actually really encourage people to write like they speak. Like the biggest compliment I think we can get as entrepreneurs is when someone says, oh my God, you're exactly like you are online. Like you sound exactly like you do online. That is the best thing anyone could ever say to me. And I want people to feel that when they go to my website and when they look at my social media and when they hear me on podcasts. So um, I think you have the first part down. You just need the cleanup. That's it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Right. Like I I need an editor, right? Some people can self-edit. That's not me. I definitely need an editor. Now, ironically, after everything I just said, believe it or not, one of my life goals is to write a book.
1: What kind of book do you want to write?
0: Um, combination of, uh, it's going to be business related, right? Whether it's uh, personal development wise or whether it's uh, actual business know-how or whether it's a biography, who knows, I might do one of each. Um, but it's along those lines.
1: Awesome. I hope you go for it.
0: Oh, I will at some point. It's just a matter of when, definitely. I, that's, that's my life goal. I, I usually, I'm usually good at following through, so. But yeah, so that excites me. It's just that, uh, like I said, my grammar. Mm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, everybody, no matter how many times I double check something, use the grammar and spelling checker, there's always still something. So I just found a typo in a Dennis Lehane book, Small Mercies. Dennis Lehane is no small thing, you know, and he had a typo in his book.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's no way it can be perfect. Especially the more you write and, and the longer it gets, the uh, exactly. easier it is. Exactly, exactly. So, I get it's that. It's a
1: sign you're doing you're doing it right if you're putting out imperfect work.
0: <laughs> exactly. So, with that being said, who is your ideal client?
1: Um, I tend to work with a lot of women entrepreneurs, and I think that is because I am a woman and I speak. I tend to speak well to the, so you know what? I, I work with a lot of interior designers and I work with a lot of coaches, consultants, and strategists. And, um, I think because I've been in the women entrepreneurial space so much, I understand like both them and how they speak and also how their ideal client speaks. So it's just a really easy, natural kind of transition that said, I will work with anybody. um, I would say the only thing I don't do is I really don't enjoy technical writing. So like anything that is just like technical jargon and people want things explained like motherboards and microphones (laughs) and cameras. I'm like, no, thank you. (laughs) So,
0: yeah, I get that. I get that part. All right. Now, yeah, okay, I get your reading uh, Interior designers, like-
1: I don't even know how it happened. It just like became my niche. It's crazy, but it's funny because as a little kid, I- I really, really wanted to, like, I was like, ooh, I want to be an interior designer. I think I just thought it was like sponge painting rooms. Like, I was like, ooh, that looks fun. So my mom got me an interior design book, and then I quickly was like, I think this seems really hard. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't really have, I don't have that design eye. But in a weird way, we sort of do the same thing. Like, a designer can step into a space see the vision for it and like make it happen right and like i can do that with designers like i can like see the vision that they have step in and create the words that make it happen so we sort of like do the same thing uh just in a different way
0: yeah exactly so i found that fascinating in terms of the coaches though right i you know i i don't know like it's trying to figure that i guess you know what it can't be everything for everybody so maybe it makes sense I, I'm trying to figure out, like, in terms of the coaches, like, like the interior design. I find that fascinating, and that's part of the real estate part that I do like. I like mm-hmm. design. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I couldn't be an interior designer by any stretch, not because I can't see cool, funky things, but I'm stubborn. So my way becomes my way. And <laughs> yeah, <you're thinking> of- <laughs> you can't
1: do that with interior design.
0: <laughs> no, no. But nine out of ten times, when I'm uh, if I do my own place, whatever, every time I sold my place and I uh, set it all up to sell. I've never had a problem. The uh, the remarks are usually "oh wow," right? Yeah. So that that I'm pretty good at. But again, that's just because I'm doing it my way, right? So yeah, when you're for the customer and you're just doing it my way, it kind of doesn't work. But um, but I'm fascinated by it. That's where my point was. Um, in terms of, in terms of coaching, I'm trying to figure out like there's so many different layers of coaching, right? Like does it do you work with any coach or do you typically t- tend to attract a certain coach type of coach I mean aside from the woman persona like because some people there's fitness coaches there's business coaches there's you know I mean a variety out there
1: yeah interesting question I you know I'd have to think a little bit but I would say it's mostly tends to be I'm going to say life coaches, for lack of a better word, just to kind of like create a niche there. And then um, like business consultants and strategists. But that said, I think one thing that ties the coaches together is that they have a pretty defined niche. And so because there are so many coaches out there, I think... A lot of people that I end up working with, and I don't think I chose this. I'm just now realizing it, but they they really do have a defined niche. Like for example, one woman I'm working with, she is an ADHD coach, so she works specifically with ADHDers. That's it. That's her niche. Um, another one I'm thinking of right now, like she really only wants to work with women who are like interested in developing their intuition. So like that is her niche. So it's, it, it does now that now that you asked me the question, I think that's kind of the commonality in there. And I think it is hard if you are a coach and you are being vague about either what you do or who you help, it can be really, really hard to market yourself in the noise of all the other coaches. So I think that that they have that going for them. And I also think that it makes it way, way easier to write for.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. I got it. Got it. Got it. When you made this transition, right? Because it seems like you've always been entrepreneurial. And what I mean by always, I mean, like you didn't wake up and say, I'm an entrepreneur. I I mean, it's sort of like you had that drive in you, but obviously there's a scary portion of it because of these, that uncertainty. Now, when we make that transition, you start off, what was your biggest challenge?
1: Well, I'm going to tell you actually. So I've worked for a lot of employers throughout my life. I think I've had like 40. It's ridiculous. I have had more jobs than I am years in age. I think I've had 40 jobs to be quite frank. Um, when I first when we first opened our shop, we took out a very large loan. Like we took out money from the bank and we had everything on the line. You know what? It did not scare me one bit. I was not at all scared. I had the business plan. I had the slides. I had the market research done. I had actually worked in a a store that had like done something similar. So I knew my profit margin was solid. Like I was not worried. That business did not bring me nearly as much joy as what I am doing now. And I worry (laughs) in this (laughs) business. It is scary. Like it feels like, you know, everything is on the line. Um, So how do I overcome that? I guess I realize, you know, even if you are working for somebody else like there's not zero risk anything you do is a risk leaving your house to go to the grocery store is a risk like there are risks every single place we turn it's really the weight that i think we assign to it and like the the mental time we give it like am i going to keep thinking about all the things that could go wrong or am i going to keep thinking about all the things that could go right what is the best thing that could happen in this situation instead of like what is the worst thing that could happen in this situation
0: yeah so it all starts with mindset. I love that right there. You got a good point there, right? Because whatever's going to happen is going to happen. You can look for the good or you can look for the bad. You're going to find whichever one you're looking for.
1: Yeah. And I need to hear those words just as much as a lot, of as much as anybody does, because I have my days. But I heard something once and I really loved this. Uh, She said that the best advice she ever got was don't quit on a bad day. And I love that because so here's what I want to say. You know, we all have days where we're like, I'm gonna go get a real job. Like, I'm just gonna go do something else. I'm gonna throw in the towel. You can go, you go on Indeed and you go on LinkedIn and you search to your heart's content. You apply to jobs, go for it. But do not make your decision on a bad day. Don't run away from something, run towards something that brings you joy, towards something you're excited about. And I've always remembered those words. And I always know about myself, like, if I am having a truly bad day, this too shall pass. Like it always passes. And then the next day is like unicorns and butterflies, you know? (laughs) So I loved that advice. Like do not quit on a bad day. And it just reminds you like today is today. Tomorrow is tomorrow. This moment is this moment. Like, you know, we're human beings. Our emotions and feelings about what we're doing can be all over the place. But the actual facts of the matter don't tend to change that much
0: true very true and you're right i I love that perspective totally right like because let's be honest it doesn't matter what we're doing if whenever we make an an emotional decision i.e the bad day we're always doing what's gonna solve the pain point that day Mm. it doesn't necessarily mean we're solving the actual pain point
1: exactly yeah really well said
0: yeah so that's awesome. Now I'm going to go polar opposite. I got the negative out. Let's go with the positive now. <laughs> um, and the, that is that uh, I find with every transition, every decision, there's always that. Again, there's that fear. There's that reservation. There's that sometimes it's just discovery. It's not even a fear, it's just new discoveries. And we have that moment where we question what should I have done? Should I have done this? Should I have not done that? Should I have tried this? Should I have tried that? Whatever. And there's always that discomfort, especially when you find something you're passionate about, like now, because it's clearly obvious. We always have that worry. We all have what I call that aha moment. And that aha moment is not necessarily that I made it, that I'm at my end zone or whatever, but it's just that moment where we kind of feel that sense of relief. We're like, okay, I'm on the right direction. I'm on the right path. The comparison game doesn't have to be there anymore. Where I'm just saying, hmm, should I have done this? Should I have done? That's all gone. I know I am where I'm supposed to be. It may not be the same tomorrow, but today I have arrived to the right direction. Have you had that moment and what uh, what was your aha moment?
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's been a moment. I think it's been a sl- slow trickle of epiphanies. Um, but I actually saw something just yesterday where it said, okay, let me, I'm going to try to remember it, but it was basically like, if I don't, okay, if I try this thing and I don't succeed at it, will I still feel happy? If I go for this and it doesn't work out, will I still feel happy? And I do feel that way. Like even if I try something in my business and it doesn't work at the end of the day I'm still happy with my life you know and so I think that's kind of where it's come from is just like not like not allowing my failure and my success to be my identity and to be the the root of my happiness in my life you know like I want to create a life that I love like this is a whole This is a whole tapestry, right? This isn't just like sitting down and making a business that's successful while my my personal life sucks. So that's, I think the like I said, like it's been a slow realization because I used to work, 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 work. Like I got to be successful. I got to be successful. I got to be successful and put so much weight in like every one thing I was doing, thinking that this was going to be the thing that made me happy. Um, But now I realize that it's just like really parts of the whole and if one thing doesn't go well in a day it's like okay i'm still happy you know
0: yeah i love that love that i mean let's be honest not everybody not every day not everybody not every day is going to be a joyful one Like you said, we have bad days, right? Like sometimes we uh, see these gurus, as I'll call them, you know, that preach the rah, rah, rah. And uh, people take that as that means that you do this and you're going to be happy every single day and there'll never be any challenges. And that's not really the case. I mean, everybody has moments.
1: Yeah, everybody has months, I would say, you know, like you might have it. You know what? I'm going to share like a personal story in um, January and February. Both of my Grandparents passed away like in a very short period of time. and it wasn't, you know, it was it was definitely um it was sad. and I wanted to really be there for my for my mom, who I know was experiencing a lot of grief. And like my business in January and February, I was like, I could barely keep my head on straight. you know, I'm like, I don't know how to run this thing. So like that was two months of my year that were just kind of like, I want to say they were a wash. Like I didn't do very well. <laughs> Um, so when you say everybody has days, like everybody has months, you know, we all go through like seasons and periods. And I think that's another thing to realize is like, it's, it's, it's a season in our life sometimes. And I, and when you look at it that way, it makes every day just like a lot, like less emotionally charged.
0: Got it. Now you bring up a good point here, right? Like with those moments and stuff, like you're in the writing business. And I've had times where I look down at a piece of paper and go, mm, where do I start? Uh, so do you ever have, you know, experience uh, writer's block or where you just feel stuck?
1: <laughs> I tell you what, I think it's so funny because I've heard, I've heard, I don't really like get writer's block for myself. Okay. And I've heard someone say, oh, if you don't get writer's block, it means you're not a good writer. And I was like, well, that's not, you know, that's just like one person's opinion. I do get writer's block with, with my clients for sure. Like I really have to like sink into someone's like who they are and what their like essence is and then start writing for them. And so sometimes I do get writer's block for them. And if that happens, and I would say this for your own stuff, like if you get writer's block for yourself, take a break, like stop doing what you're doing or there's option A and there's option B. Take a break, go take a shower, go take a walk, go outside and look for something blue, you know. Um, but option B is to set a timer for 10 minutes and be like, "Alright, I'm only going to do this for 10 minutes." And I don't care what I write. And you could literally write, "I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say today. This day is the worst day. I have nothing to say." And by the time that 10-minute timer goes off, you almost always have something on that page that you can use. It's not a perfect science. Um but there are lots of I mean there's lots and lots you can read on overcoming writer's block and some things work for some people and some things don't work for other people. But I don't think that again it doesn't mean anything about us. You know, it doesn't mean creativity has left us or or we're any less productive. It just means that you've had a moment when your brain is like I'm tapped out right now. <laughs>
0: That's true. That's true. Very true. Yeah, actually, that's good advice, right? Like taking that pause, doing that, just writing anything. That's, you you know, it's good advice, right? Because it's better than staring at the screen.
1: (laughs) Yeah, don't stare at the screen because you're going to just end up on Facebook or something like scrolling and then you definitely won't have anything written down.
0: (laughs) Isn't that the truth? Now, with that being said, like everybody has ideal clientele And everyone has what I call the hard-to-work-with clientele. Have you had one of those yet? And how did you deal with it?
1: Yet? (laughs) I have have a collection.
0: I don't want to be presumptuous here.
1: (laughs) I am always extremely kind and extremely diplomatic in how I deal with difficult people because I also know that sometimes I can be the difficult person. Um, I've gotten much, much better by going through it at identifying those red flags from the start and being able to kindly say, you know, I'm I'm actually booked up. I don't have any more room in my schedule or I just don't think this is a great fit. Like, I don't think we're a good fit. Um, Okay, I'll give you a really good recent example. Someone, so when I submit like someone's work to them, I give them kind of like a sample of what they're going to get because I want them to be able to see like, are we going in the right direction here? And someone wrote back with some really harsh Unhelpful feedback. Like it was not some. I ask people, like, if you have feedback, be specific about, you know, what might need to change. Well, this was not specific and it was also not helpful and it was just rude. Like it was actually quite rude. Now, I know not to take it personally because I know that it was well done and I did my best and I also took a lot of their own words and used them right back at them. And I think what was happening is that they didn't like what they were, they didn't like the way they sounded. Like they didn't like their voice being reflected back. So anyway, this person writes back and they give the really unhelpful feedback. And I just wrote back kindly and I was like, you know what? Like, if you want to stop this project right now, it's totally fine. I will 100%, I would n- do not offer this, but like, I would refund you your money and we can just like walk away now. And I was like, when I work with my clients, I like respect, trust, and collaboration. And if I don't feel that I'm receiving those things and you don't feel like you're receiving those things, like, I don't think it's gonna work, you know? So they came back to me and they did say they they apologized actually and decided to provide some actually helpful feedback and we were able to move through it and and past it. Um, so that's kind of like like I just take a very you can't take it personally if somebody is a difficult person and you also have to realize like sometimes we are the difficult people (laughs) so i think and the other thing i want to add to that is like being really really clear and not vague like using clear language when you're trying to overcome a difficult situation And not being vague is really, really the key to get you to like a solution with that person. And sometimes maybe getting an outside mediator too. you know, getting somebody outside to look at it and say, well, actually, you're as a service provider, like you're the one in the wrong here. It it really can be helpful to balance that off somebody else.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That's, uh, you know. Was it easy for you to realize that uh, you shouldn't take it personal? Or I mean, because everyone says, "Oh, it's just business, not personal, whatever." But uh, you know, I kind of know some of those rude gestures that come at you, and it's very difficult to not take it personal.
1: I used to take every single. So I go through like an editing process with people, right? And they can like make edits. I would like take it so personally every single edit, like just crushing my soul. And I don't. I really, honestly, don't know the answer to how this happened but i think just over time building my confidence in my skill set was like okay now i know that it's like it's truly just a matter of preference it's not me, it's just their preference and that's okay. So I think when you look at it like that, it's like it's like design, right? Like if somebody was like, this design is horrible, it's not horrible, it's just a matter of preference. Like it's a matter of someone's personal style. So I can't take their stuff personally because it's literally just them, you know, it's them sharing their thoughts and feelings. Um, I mean, there's a book, The Four Agreements, and it's a fantastic book. And one of the principles in there is do not take things personally. I take a lot of stuff personally. I take a lot of things personally. And with my clients, I really have learned to not do that as much. Still a work in progress. Always a work in progress.
0: Yeah, I, I can imagine that, right? Like, look, you're passionate about what you do. And when you're passionate about something, you're excited, and you pass on, pass it on. You're passing it on with excitement, and they get that feedback that it's like, oh, not what I was expecting. It's hard not to. But yeah, you're yeah. right. Like I guess it comes with. Um, you you said something there that kind of resonated there. I think maybe there's some uh, confidence there like some confidence issue or something. And I'm not saying that everybody who takes something personal has confidence problems. And I'm not saying this grandeur of thing. I'm just saying that maybe and I think that everybody has that little self doubt. So then when we get that criticism or that, you know, edit, we end up taking it personal for that reason.
1: Yeah. Again, that's why I think, so there was something I did early on called gateless writing and it's basically writing in a group setting and you read your work, which is terrifying. (laughs) But as you read it, here's the thing. You're only allowed, the the people in the group are only allowed to give feedback on what they loved. So I think that's where you learn as a, as a writer, like I would highly recommend any writer, anybody who wants to get better at writing, join a gateless writing group or try a a, um, a workshop because you start to learn like what parts you're really good at and then you focus on those. and And that's where like, you know, I think that's what has also really helped me is like, I know what works in what I'm doing. And then also if something doesn't work, it's like, I'm okay with changing it. You know, I don't want to leave something in there that doesn't work. So
0: got it. Got it. Now, being that most stuff is online today and the fact that I saw it on your website where you do uh, SEO website copywriting, that's going to change and adjust over time. Yeah. So <laughs> for someone who wants their website to be, you know, fully search engine, you know, optimized, what is your recommendation and how often should they be updating it?
1: Um, yeah, I don't want to give any like, like swaths of advice on this because it's going to be different for everybody. And honestly, you're right. You're hundred percent right. The world of SEO is changing and I have no, like, I am not a psychic. I cannot make predictions in that. I think this, and I, and I don't, this is not my original thought. Uh, my friend, Erin Alilla, she is an SEO copywriter. She says like, as long as right now you are following best practices It's going to be, it's going to set you up for success down the road, um, even through the changes, the people that are going to follow the best practices are going to be the ones that that stick it sticks um cuz there's a lot of trends and things like that and changes that you could hop on those bandwagon's anytime you want how often should you be updating your content i don't have a like set answer on that but the the answer is you do want to be making sure your website has fresh content whether that mean you're posting a podcast episode or a blog or adding pages like you do want a fresh amount of content on your website because a stagnant website is not not I, I, I honestly I don't know the research on it but I don't think it's as as well uh reach, reached right. yeah.
0: yeah absolutely like when you search my name my website doesn't come first what comes up is all my podcast stuff and all my uh, content yeah so that makes sense awesome now for any aspiring entrepreneurs or writers but uh, what would what advice would you give to any aspiring entrepreneurs or writer
1: uh, do we have like a category of advice? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was thinking along the uh, along, uh, the lines of uh, for anyone who's sort of hesitant, right? Like I said, we're, we're taught to go to school, get a good education, get a good job. You know, put your head down. Don't argue back. Um, you don't like it. That's OK. It's a paycheck. You just do your job. You save your money. You buy your white picket fence house. You retire. You have kids somewhere in between that. And then uh, you focus on your grandkids and the reality is that's a very boring life and but because that's the way most people have been programmed the transition is is usually hard because we're set to programming and sometimes people hesitate and they don't know where to start where to begin what what like how they should prepare. I mean, because you can't just quit your job with no money in the bank and just start a business, or can you?
1: Okay, let's say you have a a full-time job and you you have this dream to start a business and uh, you think it's a really great idea. I would say... In an ideal world, first you start talking to somebody about your idea, but not somebody who's going to like take it and steal it, right? Somebody you really, really trust and who can give you some really, really good feedback and maybe also brainstorm with you around the idea. And then I would challenge yourself to take one small step every single day. Every day you take one little step towards making that idea actualized. So with my content with character podcast, I was like, oh my God, this seems crazy to start a second podcast. How am I going to do this? And I forgot how, like I forgot everything that was involved in starting a podcast because I hadn't started one in four years. So every single day, I took one step. Like it could be as little as today, I'm going to look for theme music. I don't need to choose theme music. I'm just going to look for it. Today, I'm going to sit down and brainstorm five more names for my podcast. Today, I'm going to reach out to a graphic designer to do my cover art. You know, every single day, I took one step. And before you knew it, I had a, a podcast with. I mean I only I that podcast only has 18 episodes done because I'm taking one step a day towards keeping that thing consistent and going.
0: Awesome. Now you have two podcasts. What are they about?
1: So Content with Character, that's just me just me. Uh, It's a solo show and I do lots of like marketing and visibility and like out of the box kind of content creation ideas to help people talk about themselves and talk to their ideal clients in a way that's like really, really authentic for them. And then my She Built This podcast is where I interview women entrepreneurs and or the people in their life who support them. And it's like just tools and resources and fun conversations. Basically, it's my way of taking like whatever's in my curious little brain and (laughs) bringing it to somebody else to hear the conversation about Um, in a way that's helpful, of course. So those are my two for now. And I don't, I mean, once you get the podcasting bug, like it's hard to quit. So I can't guarantee that's going to be all the podcasts I will create.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I get that one. I have... uh i've like i've recorded um I'm, I'm well over 200 episodes recorded it's yeah. uh and if you include my little uh, what i call minute mondays which is like my personal development mondays or what i have market tuesdays which is about uh, what's going on in the market in real estate or my q a's which happened every second week for the last two years uh you start including that i'm, I'm over 400 so nice job uh, <laughs> yeah so it's uh I could be on here all day long. I can do this stuff all day, all night. You know what I mean? And obviously uh, you wouldn't be productive if that's the only thing you did. <laughs> but yeah, I, I totally understand that bug. I can relate to that. All right, so moving on with the next question It's gonna be my second last question before I get into what I call the lightning round, which is, how do you know you have a successful day?
1: Um, That's so funny. Last night when I got into bed, I was falling asleep and I was like, I love my life. And I said to myself, that's what I want to say every single day when I go to bed. So that is how I know personally that I've had a successful day.
0: (laughs) Beautiful answer. Awesome. All right. Last but not least, where do people who see this or listen to it and want to find you go?
1: I think the best and easiest place to find me and then pick wherever you like to hang out is um, emilyaborn.com. Awesome.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. All right, let's move on to what I call the lightning round, which is just a few short uh, questions that are just about you personally and uh, gives a chance to have like an an, an, inner insight into your, uh, who you are.
1: Okay. I think I'm ready.
0: Uh Uh-oh. Hold on. Brace for it. No, I'm just kidding. It's not that bad. It's like, (laughs) I had to make a joke. Sorry. Um, The um, first question is going to be, what's your favorite food and why?
1: I like don't think I have one, but I'll tell you what, I'm on a mission to explore that. Like, I don't know if I have one. I love salad.
0: (laughs) There we go. There we go. (laughs) Awesome. 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 So you're just still discovering, which is good. And yeah, salad is good. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah. I think I really like salad. Blueberries. I I eat way too many blueberries.
0: (laughs) Well, there you go. There you go. Salad and blueberries. That's amazing. Actually, (laughs) I, I actually like salad, especially when you mix them up with fruits.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Right? So, I, I mean, my favorite, uh, I used to make this uh, when I worked at a restaurant, I kind of took it home. I don't mean the salad home. I mean, I took the idea home. And um, it's just a lot of the, um, what do I call it, like the mixed salad. I have the mixed salad uh, combined with some onions, some strawberries, and uh, I added uh, sal- uh, cucumbers to it, even though that wasn't part of their recipe. I added to it. Then I had this like uh, mixed dressing, like this uh, balsamic vinaigrette and, and uh, a couple other things that I would add to it. It, it, was, it was so good.
1: Yeah, sounds good.
0: Yeah, awesome. Uh, favorite vacation spot and why?
1: My house, because I don't like leaving my house.
0: Interesting.
1: <laughs> I I really I don't really love traveling. But I'll tell you what, I love uh ocean, Maine. Um, I would love to go somewhere tropical. Uh but yeah, I like a staycation. I'm a staycation kind of person with like day trips and hiking and the beach, things like that.
0: Hey, it's not a bad thing. Saves oh you no, money.
1: it's not, it's not a bad thing. No, yeah, it saves you money.
0: <laughs> awesome, awesome. Hey, and you can be happy every day because day 'cause you're always home. <laughs>
1: it's yes, I am home most days.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, third question, favorite podcast or book?
1: Um my favorite podcast right now, right now at this moment. This changes depending. Um but my favorite podcast right now is actually called The Podcast on Podcasting by Adam Adams. He's a very good interviewer. So if if you have listeners or viewers that are podcasters, I feel like he's very just like he really kind of walks the talk walks the walk whatever we say it um yeah but i also love like the huberman lab podcast uh things like that i i love so many i mean my feed yeah. is like tw- 20 podcasts deep
0: <laughs> yeah i got that same problem <laughs> yeah you know the a- interesting part is that first one just the name is kind of interesting in itself podcast on podcasts
1: it's brilliant, adam adams yeah I mean, this is <laughs> this is what he did right is calling your podcast what it's about, like podcasts on podcasting. Oh, okay, I know exactly what it's about. I know exactly who it's for. It's brilliant. It's really brilliant. And that's the kind of stuff. Like it, it applies to any business owner. Um, his podcast, but specifically for podcasters, it's just like all of this stuff that you're like, oh my god, this is so easy and actionable. And again, he's a really, really good example of what he does. So.
0: Love that. Awesome.
1: All right. Last
0: but not least, if you were given unlimited amount of money, but you had 48 hours to spend it, what you spend, you get to keep. What you don't spend gets taken away. What would you do?
1: Well, that's where I'm like, I'm blowing that all on a tropical vacation. And I don't care. I mean, I will buy a bunch of stuff while I'm on the tropical vacation, like tons of clothes probably. (laughs) Um, And then maybe the rest I'll use on like a big gigantic house that all my family and friends can come hang out in. So is that a good answer? I don't know.
0: That is a great answer. That
1: was was the toughest one. (laughs) For real? No, the favorite. They were all tough. They were all tough.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I want to say thank you very, very much. It's been incredible.
1: Yeah, this was fun. Thank you.
0: Absolute pleasure. If you like what you saw and you want to see some more, subscribe to the link below. Thanks for tuning in to The John Papaloni Show.